This is Open for Business, where we talk about new ideas with interesting people. I'm Ken Cook. And I'm Brian Parker. And today we'll be talking with Joe Swibel, president of New England Business Media, about what is a flat business organizational chart? Why is flat better for selling? And we role play with Joe Swibel about selling us on advertising with his online publications. Episode 72 starts now. This is the Hartford Online Radio Network, 21st Century Audio. Delivered on thehorn.com. Joining us today is Joe Swibel, entrepreneur and publishing professional with 25 years experience starting, building, and running media businesses. He's co-owner of New England Business Media, LLC, the largest publisher of regional B2B media in Massachusetts and the state of Maine. He also is the owner of the Hartford Business Journal, the Worcester Business Journal, and Maine Biz out of Portland, and his other big flagship property is the Connecticut Business Expo. He's had international experience publishing down in the land down under in Western Australia back in mid-2000s. And we are very happy to have him here with us today. Joe, welcome. Ken, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to a, to a full conversation today. Well, we are. I don't know how full we will be, but... Uh, we might we'll, be full of it, that's for sure. I, I was going to say, we'll let the listeners determine <laughs> exactly how full we are. Let's see how we go. All right. Um, you know the theme of the show, Joe. It's all about selling in the 21st century. And in prep for this, we talked a little bit about what some of your challenges are. And you mentioned one that particularly intrigued me. You talked about flatter organizations and diffuse decision-making and giving Zappos as the great example where they basically disassembled their hierarchy and leave decisions to self-directed teams, which creates incredible challenges for people trying to sell to Zappos. Give us some thoughts and a little bit of your thinking behind why that's a challenge for you and the folks at New England Business Media. Sure, Ken. You know, I think most of us who have been in any kind of uh, sales business for more than a decade, um, sort of can remember the old days and, and maybe they were the good old days or maybe they were just the old days. Um, but there was a time when, you know, we used to talk about things like the UDM, the ultimate decision maker, right? Oh, there's and, an acronym from the long lost past. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, these days I think that a lot has changed in the way organizations are structured, which affects in, 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 in great part, how they actually buy. And, um, you know, I think there aren't many of us who actually sort of regret the passing of, you know, terribly hierarchical organizations where, you know, the bosses are the bosses and the line people are the line people. And, um, you know, there's just a, a very clean split um, in terms of structure. Um, but, it certainly was a lot easier in the old days to draw the map of what decision-making looked like in, in almost any organization. Very true. And, and you know, I think that um, on the one side, and I think that, you know, my organization, New England Business Media, is very committed to the idea of a flatter organization. Yeah. Very committed to the idea of engaging our people in decision making, okay. very committed to the idea of ownership, right? Cool. I mean, I, I think that's the way to go. So, 
it, it certainly feels that way from the perspective of um, you know our employees and and our ability to 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 sort of meet our goals and and deliver to our KPMs. Yep. What's but a KPM? Same, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ken. Well, what's a KPM? This is Brian Parker, by the way. Well, what's KPM stand for? Key performance metrics. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Use the term. Key performance you know, I, metrics. I, I, okay. I hit you guys with UDMs and KPMs. Dictionaries the for the audience after we're finished. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, my, my role is actually to play the, the dumb person here. So I'll be asking all these words. <laughs> hey, well, what, what's this taxes stuff? Hey, it's what, not a stretch for Brian to do that either. So, uh, <laughs> thank you very much. So when, when you talk flatter, you mean um, making it not so reg, uh, rigid as far as, you know, this is the uh, this is the first wrong entry level these are the worker bees these are the middle management people these are some of the executives and then the and then the head boss you're talking about taking the ability to make decisions and pushing it down to the the the, the boots on the ground so to speak is that right uh, absolutely brian so and does that mean that you have to really hone in on okay I, i'm gonna let you pick what technology your team uses and you guys need to buy subscriptions to that. So I'm going to give you a budget for that, and off you go. Like, does it get to, to that level? Like, here's here's a budget for. Well, I'm I'm basically going to purchase results from your team by giving you this amount of money, and I'm empowering you to actually figure out how to get it done. Is that right? I, I think it can mean that, Brian. Um, I'm I you know I'm not quite sure exactly what the specifics are with uh, the situation at Zappos right now, but. I was very intrigued to hear their story yeah. that they had essentially done away with management and um, now have self-directed teams that understand what their objectives are um, that basically run themselves. Well, let me and, let me play a devil's advocate for you for a minute. You described the flatter organization as a challenge and flip the equation if you th- if you think about it when when you laid out that map that you laid out from the decision maker to the gatekeeper to the next level down, down to the rank and file people, the map had a single path. Right. And you were either successful or not successful on that path. And what you have now are multiple points of entry with multiple offerings of value, depending on who you're talking to and what their drive and their goals are for that team. I would think that for your people, particularly knowing your organization as I do, you've got multiple offerings to address a lot of different concerns. You're not just a print company. You're an in-person company. You're an online company. That variety would open up more opportunity, in my mind, than less. Am I misreading something? You know, Ken, I don't think so. I think it's it's like so many things. There's an opportunity wrapped in a problem or a problem wrapped in an opportunity. And I think the challenge that I was sort of articulating has only to do with, uh, you know, a, a, a someone who's a seller fundamentally and primarily okay. and their ability to actually find where the influence is and where the decision actually gets made. All right. So then... And, and I, I dare say that ten years ago, it was it was easier to identify uh, those specific points in an organization. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, in today's world, the hard part for the seller is the complexity of the landscape. 
I think that's exactly right. It is we're absolutely in a more complicated environment where the, exactly right more complexity, um, which usually I think means a somewhat longer uh, time frame mm -hmm. in which something gets sold. Certainly, that's been our experience. So, what do you and your leadership team do to counsel the sales team to deal with this? You know, I, I think, Ken, and I know that you're a huge proponent of this, that um, it really all starts and ends with relationships. Yep. And uh, there's no question that no matter where you enter the organization these days, the stronger your personal brand, okay. the more likely you are to get a hearing, whether the decision-making is extremely hierarchical or more diffuse. True. People do business with people that they know yep. and people do business with people that they like. True. And I think for us, it has been a, um, an evolution of, of that perspective that says, listen, we, we need to lead with relationships and focus more on who we know and how we regard them and how well they regard us and less with our product offering and, and, and how it's how it how it might or might not um, you know create benefit in the organization. Yeah. It, it's a lot easier to paint that picture and to have the dialogue that uncovers need yep. um, when you have a strong relationship that's based on trust. Undoubtedly true. You, so instead of leading with, hey, I got a great uh, product or service that has helped a whole bunch of companies that might be just like yours. Let me tell you about all of my offerings. Instead, listen to them and develop a relationship and maybe they'll just, they'll offer you what their problems are. They'll help you identify what the problems are. And then through that conversation, you say, what would it be like if we got rid of that problem? And now you have an opening to, hey, you know what? This might be a solution for you. Is that yeah. right? Is that what I'm hearing? I I think that that's 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 really well articulated, Brian. And I I would go so far as to say that um, in the old days, anyone coming with a business solution to that UDM, that ultimate decision maker, was fundamentally on the outside, right? Yeah. And they were coming to someone who had a great deal of leverage, but also a great deal of responsibility to choose carefully, and whatever decision they made was in, in large measure a reflection on them. And so there was a lot that they had invested in that decision that was more ego-driven almost than it was driven towards, um, you know, the, the, the impact of that decision on the organization. And now when you penetrate an organization that's flatter this way, what, what seems to me to be the case, and, and again, Ken, I know this is something that you're keenly aware of and yeah. have, have really brought the thinking on this to the next level is that what if you're doing your job well they're inviting you in and they're actually bringing you into that team you got that it. flatter team yeah yeah i mean you described it a moment ago as the outsider looking in when you're bringing the solution to someone and Brian and I were talking before the show trying to figure out, all right, what kind of song do we want as a lead into this? <laughs> Run to me. Dawned don, don on it. My head right there. Oh, yeah. Because of the fact that what you want is you want the clients running to you because they trust you. You want them coming to you and saying, this is what I'm all about. Help me figure out the solution here. 
And Joe, you would also, in prep for this, you gave me a line that I think is so, so strong. Lots of people in sales don't have the courage to walk away when their product or service doesn't really fit. Boy, isn't that the truth? Yeah, I mean, salespeople have traditionally been driven by numbers, by quotas, by things that they have to achieve. Another metric, as you say, Brian. Yeah. And it, if you manage your time and activities by metrics and quotas, you're going to lose the game. And you know what? But let me say, in defense of salespeople, and, and I'm not really, I mean, I guess I'm a salesperson, but I'm in the, you know, everyone's selling. But I'm not really in sales sales like that anymore. Um, that is just how the industry taught us to be. Never take no for an answer. Exactly. You know, here's the booklet of all the conceivable objections and hurdles yep. that someone can throw at you. And when they say this, you counter with that. And it was almost like a it was it almost got to be a game and a, and a hostile game mm-hmm. of 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 closing. You know, you're always closing you Point know, coffees for closing. What's that uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross movie or whatever that was? Um so in defense of them, that's just sort of how the the game has been taught to salespeople. But I think this next generation is finally saying, this is nonsense. Yeah. With the advent of something like social media, you're allowed to be social with your contacts mm-hmm. instead of, um, you know, it's not business media. You know, a lot of LinkedIn stuff is business media, which is just sort of content dumping. I, I wrote this article. I'm speaking here. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Ultimately, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Let me tell you something. But if you join a like a LinkedIn group, which I have found very fascinating, you come to that group and you say, hey, I'm trying to do this. And I got this, you know, part of it, you know, like I, I do a lot of uh, tech stuff. So I have this kind of board and this kind of Skype connection and this kind of thing, and I'm trying to do this X, Y, Z over here. Who out there has done something like this? You know, droves and droves and droves of people will say, yep, this is how I did it. This is how I did it. If you do it this way, look out for this. That is so much more valuable. And now I start to know who these, you know, I get interested in like, oh, this guy had a great solution. Who the heck is he? How did he come up with this? And I have hired people because, you know, we need to do you know, voiceovers and all that kind of stuff. I have hired people because I liked what their answer was to something that has nothing to do with doing voiceovers. Hmm. It's just that they solved the problem for me. It was like, you know what? This guy's got it going on here. You know, he's an organized person. Let me go contact him. That's and, and, the and isn't this selling. the way of the future where we yes. have... Oh, I hope so, at di- least. We, we have dialogue and we have community Yeah, um, that has come dramatically far forward, mostly because of, of as you say, Brian, social media... It's a different world from that perspective. And um, it seems as though rather than, well, and what we also know is, is that organizations that sell in ways that are about that organization and what's good for the sales organization or what's good for the salesperson, that people and companies that uh, ascribe to those old rules yep. are very easily punished in social media. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, the gig is up. You know, how many sites are there that are devoted to uh, reviews of products, yeah. reviews of organizations? And, you know, I think this is a much better way because we've all sort of come into the light from that perspective. Um, now there's there's dialogue. Now people can make choices to do business with us or to create a relationship. As you say, Brian, because you've written something that they find interesting or they find useful. Um, 
And that's very different. That's a very different reason and way to, to purchase, a way to make a decision than, than I think what many of us are useful from the old days. Yeah. My wish would be that every company out there, and think about this for New England business media, every one of your clients has an online forum where they can go and talk to other New England business media clients about what works, what doesn't work as far as your digital presence or your, your sponsorship of events or run a press advertising. Use it in this instance. Don't use it in that instance. Let them share with each other their successes. And I mean, it's like the old user groups when everybody hated IBM in 1980. And the user groups would get together to bitch and complain about IBM. <laughs> but what actually happened was that they formed a bond and a camaraderie with each other. And right. user groups are phenomenally powerful for an organization because it's unfiltered feedback. It's information that they cannot get any other way. There you go. And you also have a community that's solving a problem, which is very different from, again, that sort of hierarchical um, you'll, we'll give you the manual and we'll tell you how to fix it. Um, yeah. and, and, and isn't that a better way, right? Absolutely. Uh, and I will say that, you know, the, the one thing about that I think has always been neat about our business, um, is that in many ways we were virtual communities before virtual communities existed anywhere else, right? I mean, the, this is what newspapers traditionally have, have sort of represented mm -hmm. is this virtual marketplace. And, and, of course, when the Hartford Business Journal or the Worcester Business Journal or Maine Biz does an event, um, you know, that's us bringing that virtual community and creating a three-dimensional, you know, um, um, moment in time when that whole community is in one place. And so the dialogue and the things that happen and the way that, that business gets done in, in those rooms is, um, is really something to see, I have to say. Yeah. Um, I think you have, a, and this is my short advertisement for your organization, Joe, the fact that you had the foresight years ago to amp up your online presence even though you lost money on it. You were not making money in the digital world when you first started, and I know that from conversations of years back. And you are now, and admittedly, it's not the most robust part of your organization, but it's the part that has the highest growth curve. Absolutely, Ken. And, and, and the simple fact is, is that we all understand that um, as the world turns and as things evolve, that more and more information changes hands online and more and more uh, information needs to find its home online. Yeah. And it's not that both aren't important. You know, print remains very robust for us and for most Print media, yeah. um, and yet we understand that 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 additional dimension is something that it, it's it's just a requirement. Um, as the next generation comes up, the generation that maybe isn't as used to print media, that wants to have that ongoing dialogue, that wants to have the ability to click five different links while they're reading one story. Yeah, um, that's very 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 important, undoubtedly. Yeah, and the beauty of you, your organization, and the one of the best connection points I've ever seen is your daily email blast first thing in the morning, morning blend. You aggregate all the things that are important to anybody in the business community 
for this geography and you put it in their mailbox before they wake up. I think that's great because everybody I talk to says that one of the first things they do in the morning is read Morning Blend. Right. And again, this is this is the the the, the new the new paradigm, which is that, you know, in, in the old days, we, we published a weekly newspaper. Yeah, we were in the weekly news business. And now virtually every media has to be in the moment to moment news business, the daily news business, the up to the minute news business, because that's what our readership and our lifestyle today really sort of commands. Yeah. And what does that mean for your sales team? How have they had to reposition themselves, if at all? You know, it's a, it's a great question, Ken, and it's it's the one that we wrestle with because, of course, um, as things evolve, um, you know, we have to make sure that the folks who are out representing us in the marketplace understand all of the elements and all the components that 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 they can that they can used to uh, help a client solve their marketing problem. Okay. And at the end of the day, I mean, I think most of, of, of the folks who we are engaged with who have been very supportive partners and clients for many, many years, they almost don't care what the, uh, the platform is. Hmm. Uh, in other words, they're not choosing digital platforms over print because it's shiny and new and sexy. They want to have their marketing problem solved. They want to make sure that, mm. their, that their message is in front of the right community. And they almost don't care. They're agnostic about how that happens. Um, our responsibility is to make sure that as those communities start to grow online, that we have the right tools to allow our clients to access those, those communities online. Yeah. You know, I'd rather talk about communities rather than eyeballs. A lot of people talk about eyeballs online. Yeah. But, um, if you disconnect the brains from the eyeballs and the community from the eyeballs, it uh, it's not that compelling, you know. And at the end of the day, that's what it's really about is building those communities and making sure that they're well served and that our, our, our advertisers and partners are able to put their messages in front of those communities, yeah. which are robust and a very active, as, as Brian pointed out. So I'm on the uh, Hartford Business Journal, HartfordBusiness.com uh, website, and uh, is this your publication, The Doing Business in Connecticut? Is that something you guys put out? Brian, it is, yes, okay. and we're very, very proud of it. It's an annual publication. Okay, very cool. And then Family Business Award is with you and CBIA, the Connecticut Business Industry Association. Um, and then, um, and then my, my main point here is I don't see any advertisers. There you go, right on the right. Oh, okay. Well, PDS, okay, there's one. Oasis. Yes. Okay. And, and, and incidentally, PDS is a very interesting case since Ken happened to point them out. PDS has been a, a client of ours since the publication started over 20 years ago. And they have run in virtually every issue. Um, and like, as, as I mentioned earlier, they will do digital if the community presents itself digitally, they are doing prints very regularly. And they understand that to be in front of the audience that will best respond to what they have to sell, which is 
packaged engineered uh, steel buildings and all kinds of right. uh, co commercial construction services um, that they have to be out there very regularly. So do and, you find that uh, these guys, uh, when, when you do the sales process, are you doing it more like uh, uh, an internet um, advertisement, like a banner ad, or are you doing it more like the traditional print um, where it's, you know, so many inches and column space and, and that sort of thing? How are you how are you getting the ads to be, uh, how are you selling them is really what I want to know. Well, I think, you know, for, for us, what we've recognized is is that um, we, the, it's it, it really is a, a three-legged stool. Um, and the Hartford Business Journal and all of our publications effectively have migrated away from exclusively print to, you know, our mantra has been for some time in print, online, and in person. And all three of those components, the print component remains very, very important. The online and digital component continues to grow. And what we see is that the demographics there, as you can imagine, the folks that are reading the Hartford Business Journal online are often, you know, a few years younger than um, our core print reader. And then the in-person part of it is the events. And you you referenced, Brian, the Family Business Awards. Um, and what a great event that is and what a great group of people. Um, you know, family business is one of those areas that never ceases to amaze and uh, uh, captivate because family businesses have such great stories to tell. And when you're talking about multi-generational family businesses, you're talking about something that's very, very rare to see that kind of success um, transcend the generations. And so those, to back to the in-print, online, and in-person. In-person events, even in this day of email and other forms of communication that are less personal, our, what we find is, is that our audiences and our communities crave the person-to-person -person, uh, ability to make contact in a room with people that they know and enjoy. We're back to uh, relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's right back to relationships, Ken. And um, our sponsors and our partners crave the ability to be in a room as people um, with the folks that they do business with the folks that they could potentially do business with and the folks that they, uh, you know, um, uh, share common interests with related to their businesses and the region that we find ourselves. Yeah. And, and certainly businesses ought to be celebrated. And a lot of our events are celebratory. A lot of our events are awards events. Yeah. Family business certainly is. Yeah. Um, 40 under 40. Same correct. thing. I want to get one, your thought on one thing before we wrap up here, Joe. You and for everyone in the audience, when you think about selling in this environment, unsaid so far has been the clarity of what New England business media offers. And by that, I mean, when you look at the company, they are a media company. They, right. they offer news. They offer yes. information. They offer data with regard to what's going on in the marketplace from a business point of view. But what they sell is marketing solutions. And that, that clarity of who you are and what you offer in terms of a solution has to be clearly understood by any salesperson 
if you are going to hope to be successful because uh, unless you have that clarity, you don't have a connection that has some value for a client. What do you mean by clarity? Clarity in what? If I'm selling for New England business media, I'm not selling advertising. I'm not selling online ad banners. I'm not selling tables at sponsored events. Okay. What I'm selling is a marketing solution for my buyer. If I come to you, Brian, and I say, look, we're trying to get on the horn known to the rest of the world. So from my point of view, the most important aspect of what New England Business Media offers you is the wide array of eyeballs that are going to see your digital print ads. Um. Okay, so you you want to do a game? We could do, we yeah. Uh oh. Here we, we go. Role play. Sure. So I'll I'll be the, the, the wise ass um, podcaster. All right. From from on the horn, and you be and Joe is your boss. Joe has brought you. You've brought Joe down. He's your boss, but he's teaching you how to sell to me, and it's a warm relationship. So we we have a little connection there, and you're trying to sell me on um on giving some of my advertising dollars to uh you know Hartford Business Journal, let's say. Yep. Okay, so how, how would you start? I'd ask you, to, Brian, do me a favor and reiterate for Joe, since he hasn't been familiar with what we've been talking about, reiterate for him what it is that you're trying to accomplish with On the Horn. Okay, I want On the Horn to be the number one podcast in Connecticut, the most listened to podcast that is produced here in Connecticut. And that can be either Connecticut uh, downloads or downloads uh, across the country. But I really want to make... On the horn, the Hartford Online Radio Network be a huge, huge media presence. So we don't get, you know, instead of uh, 15, 20,000 downloads, we get uh, 400, 500, 600,000 downloads a month. Okay. And to date, what do you think is the most effective way to do that? Uh, Well, to date, the best way that we found is by going in whatever our whatever our topics are. We contact some of those folks on Facebook. We see who has the most followers on Facebook and Twitter, and then we have them on, and then we say, okay, please, after we're done with the interview or the discussion or whatever, please share with whatever you just said. Gotcha. Please share it uh, with your audience as well. All right. Joe, what I'm hearing Brian tell us is connecting to the people that are connected, particularly in a digital capacity, is a venue and an avenue for On the Horn to get out to more people more rapidly and make the awareness of On the Horn uh, much wider across the state of Connecticut. We can do that with our online presence, and we can also do that with some sponsorship through uh, not necessarily the event, but underwriting the event in a Facebook capacity, underwriting the event in a Twitter capacity. We can engage all of our readers and all of our online visitors to engage with you through a contest, for example. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that we can employ here, Brian, that I think would make a difference because the one thing that we bring to you as far as a marketing solution is a very, very large audience. I think that's a really good point, Ken, although I have to say that, you know, for Brian... Um, I would want to explore as a responsible seller um, his statement that on the horn that his objective is to make on the horn the most listened to podcast in Connecticut. Uh, you know, this might be frankly for me, um, and 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 I'm not sure. I'd have to explore it a little more. 
But this might be one of those places where we might want to just walk away, to be honest, Ken, because okay. um, what I would want to hear Brian say, and tell me if this is true, is that if, if he were to say, look, I, I would like On the Horn to be the most listened to podcast among business decision makers in Connecticut, I would say that's an area that I can help you with. Because, of course, as you mentioned, what we really offer is an audience. Yes. And the specialized nature of that audience is that, you know, the, the readers of our publication are uniquely positioned. They are the t generally the top two or three slots in senior management, um, ownership or C-level executives in companies throughout central Connecticut. And that if you were to draw a 30 or 40 mile radius around Hartford, you would define our distribution area. So would that um, fly in the face though of the, we want more flattened org charts to businesses because if the top, top decision makers uh, are your audience, but I might not need those. I might just need the, uh, you know, the rank and file who are now, who have now been empowered with certain abilities to spend money and pick uh, products, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting point. I think that, you know, as much as organizations are flattened um, around certain questions and certain decisions, um, you know, we have yet to see, you know, uh, you know, a, an organization that doesn't have a CEO who's got something to say about the direction that that organization is going to go in. How right? true. How true. Um, and, and so it, it's, it really is an interesting time. And I think it, it's hard to see how we will evolve as organizations evolve. Um, and it's, it's a very interesting point that you make, Brian. Um, although I would say that, you know, no matter how you slice it, there's still a great deal of influence at the top of of the organizations that we're putting the Hartford Business Journal into. And um, those are the folks who really have a vested interest. You know, no one's more invested in than in than than ownership, right? Yeah. In in the fortunes of an organization. Um, and I think that for me, uh, that that would be that is those that is the primary differentiator for a publication like the Hartford Business Journal or the Worcester Business Journal or Main Biz is that we we are providing access to an extremely specialized marketplace which generally has um, a great deal of buying power um, and decision-making capacity um, that is evolving and changing and there is a flattening out of the organizations in terms of structure and engagement um, but again, there's, there's, there's always, it seems like there's always going to be a CEO, at least until an, 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 in the foreseeable future. Right? Yeah. Well, I may have failed as a salesperson for New England business media, particularly with Brian. <laughs> but what I do know is that, Joe, you are tackling some tough challenges with what you're doing with the company. I mean, you've got a, an industry that's evolving and changing dramatically. And you are adapting a solution set that I think is phenomenal. You guys are doing a great job with it. And for anybody out there interested, it's HartfordBusiness.com. Any last thoughts, Joe? Ken, well, thank you very much for in, in, including me today in the discussion. It's been very interesting. Um, and, you know, I have to say that uh, it, it really is fun. And we can either be really anxious about the future and how business is going to evolve and certainly in our industry 
um, it, it's easy to be to be worried. Yep. On the other hand, we can get really enthusiastic and excited about the possibilities that the future holds for us. And and I think that in our company, we're working very hard um, to stay enthusiastic and to be enthusiastic about the possibilities because, you know, every time there's an evolution um, that creates opportunity. I'm with you. And, and we certainly see a great deal of evolution. And as far as I'm concerned, Ken, you didn't fail, not even for a moment. Because again, <laughs> if, 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 we, if we find that there are organizations for whom that audience is not appropriate that I just described, then as you and I identified earlier, well, we ought to walk away. Yeah, right? absolutely. Well, at least I know I got a fallback. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Joseph, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Gentlemen, right back to you, and thank you very much. Have a great afternoon. You Thanks, do the Joe. same. Take Bye -bye. care, Joe. Cheers.